Well, welcome to any of you that may be new among us or in the last few weeks uh, uh, at different times I've asked others to introduce yourselves to me or to stay. Um, we're at a stage in the year where uh, friendships are growing and groups are gathering and people come to Mass, but there's always movements when God touches our heart or calls us at a different time than normal. Uh, so if you're not familiar with this place or if you're new among us, uh, please come say hi to me, introduce yourself to me, but also stick around long enough. Uh, there's a group for you. There's a place for you. Um, but it always takes a risk. No one has friendship here that didn't take a risk. There's no easy way to finding a place where you belong. Uh, but discovering that we belong to God is the work that he is about. And if you're here, then you belong to something. You belong to someone. You belong to us. And sometimes it takes a journey to discover what we already had. So, welcome. Last week I uh, indicated where we're at in the readings here that the last few weeks and now the next couple weeks we're in the midst of five Sundays where the gospel is from the uh, fifth chapter of Matthew. The end of the fourth chapter began with him preaching the gospel. Uh, I must make a correction. I think I lied in my homily last weekend and said it started with his baptism, right? started with his proclamation of the gospel uh, and then led into chapter 5. So we're in the third of five weeks of the fifth chapter of Matthew and we will go through the whole thing. And I indicated that it's important we understand that things start in a place and they're making a progression and that the Old Testament is a preparation, is putting something into place that then is fulfilled in the New Testament. So when we hear the gospel proclaimed, just to take it on its face sometimes doesn't go deep enough, doesn't help us understand the fullness and... Uh, unless we understand the people of Israel and what God was doing. And so I iterated those places that we would see similarities um, from the Old Testament, talking about the light and the oil that helps the lamp burn. Um, we know the numerous references to salt in the Old Testament, and today we have this very short gospel. You are to be the salt of the earth. You are the light to the world. And so the Israelite people, the people who are amongst Jesus at this time, are hearing this in a very particular way. And we understand in our time and in the age in which we live, 2,000 years after he first, first proclaimed these words, that we hear it in a particular way. Because of the history that we have had and because of the times that we have gone through and the places in which we are. And one of those places that provokes me with these readings today is the recognition of how much we value ourselves in today's current culture on what it is we can do. We are a very driven culture, and this even translates itself into how we view Christianity, that many people view Christians as being good or bad based on what it is they do. You... Likely, think of yourself as growing in holiness or falling back in holiness based on what it is you do. And then when we want to grow, we think of the things we need to do. Now, all of that is good. But when you hear the readings today, you hear the first reading talking about the ways in which the people should live. And he's saying, these are the things you should do. God is telling them, these are the things you should do. So it's not without its place. 
but he was saying that into a people that were formed in a very specific time and way. And this was a progression of them to begin caring for others in a way in which no one else did. But they would have come up against their own weakness. They would have come up against their own inabilities. But they were changing because of the voice of the Lord that spoke to them, because of the power of the one who gathered together. They were changing the culture of their time. What is our time? The time, 2023, that we live in today. What's our culture? Our culture is the end of a long journey of the Enlightenment. For all of you history and philosophy and theology people in here, you're like, oh, yay, this is what I, I wish Father talked like this more often. For others of you, you know, that just got done running your meats or whatever yesterday, you're like, who cares about the Enlightenment? Like, tell us something that changes our life, Father. But the Enlightenment is a very important thing that we all experience the consequences of. The Enlightenment was the separation of Jesus Christ and the church from the effects of the good works, you might say. It was to say, now that we're, the culture is what it is, now the way in which we're living, you don't need Jesus Christ and the church. And that has been hundreds of years in the works. And so we live in a time, a beautiful time, in which the fruit of all of that is people expect good things from others. You don't have to be a Christian to say you should care for other people. That's a great thing in our culture. But the Christian is the one who says, without Jesus, without the church, I don't have the sight to see what's good and what's not good. I don't have the willpower to do the thing or not do the thing based on what God says is good. And so when I read these readings, I think almost immediately this line, just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. I think good deeds. How's everybody doing? Right? And then it's tied with the Old Testament reading. So, I mean, it sort of helps. That's like the springboard into it. But look at your own lives. What's the fruit of thinking you're going to be better with God if you just start shaping up? What's the fruit of always thinking one more thing, I'll be pleasing to my friends? What's the fruit of walking, going back home at break and you're put to work? Because that's how you're valued. Now, I bet that's not the case. Your parents love you. And so you go home and you just dwell. And they're all like, ah, you're home. Someone starts cooking for you. Someone starts doing your laundry. Your little siblings come running around, I bet. They're already eager. They're like, when's she coming back home again? Why is it we think of this as our relationship with God? As a place we come here and we realize I'm being waited on. I'm being cared for. I'm being anticipated. Someone's looking for me. And see, the fruits of that, my friends, are then we do 
good things. Then we live differently. Then our sight helps us know where it is we should go. Then we have something that didn't come from us that we give to the world. And yes, then our light shines before others and the world changes. Christ came to tell the people of Israel that the thing that our Father created in you, the thing the Father put you on the path for, the laws that he put in place are things that you can only fulfill if you follow me. In following me, you'll see things happen that aren't your effort and your ingenuity and your insight. And when we go into next weekend, I think it's next weekend, we'll see. He says, Nanayodu do of the law do I take away. Right? He goes through a whole bunch of things. And if we don't see a relationship with the Father in light of those things, we're going to think somehow either it can't be done or we got to do it. In a relationship with our Father, we're going to be like, yeah, wow, I'm different too. And somehow I have this energy to live the way he called us to. And this is what Christ wants. Christ wants us to discover that we have found a home, that we have come home to the place in which when we dwell, we grow in our awareness that it is him who is dwelling here. I was at the restaurant the other night, and I often sit at the bar. Not because I drink, but because it's the quickest way to get served. (laughs) And the person next to me was just dousing their food with salt and pepper. Dousing it. And my first thought was, the food must not be very good. And then when I was reading the, preparing the homily and reading the readings, I was thinking about being salt. And thinking like, then, okay, if we're the salt, then we need to be the ones that go out to the world and we like bring all the goodness to the world, right? Makes sense based on what I'm reading. But do you know how salt works? Salt doesn't necessarily or like primarily work by adding something to the vegetables or to the meat. Salt works by when it's added, it breaks down at a cellular level the meat and the vegetables and whatever it's on that more of what is inside of it comes out. We are the salt of the earth. And in the world, our presence breaks down the things in other people that more of who they really are comes out. Think about your own lives. Who are the people that have made you most like Christ? The ones that somehow just being around them changes you, breaks you down, makes you more of who you know God wants you to be. You sort of leave their presence and you think to yourself, I got to stop doing this (laughs) or I should start doing this. And there's an energy to bring it about. 
There's an insight into how to go about doing it. There's a life that begins to dwell within us. This is who we are called to be to the world. The world is in need of light. But wherever you go, he goes too. And he is the one who is doing the work. Then Christianity, being Catholic, growing in faith, bringing God to the world, becomes rather easy. Takashi Nagai was an atheist scientist in Nagasaki when the bomb dropped. A path that was filled with darkness. His mother was dying, and he went home, and in this encounter with his mother, he was certain that there was no soul, that the human being was a mass of parts. He was convicted of this. Until at her deathbed, he looked in her eyes. And something inside him broke down. And just like He believed in the soul. And then a path of numerous other things came about in his life that brought him to the Catholic faith. Decades later, someone was writing about the differences in the towns between Hiroshima and Nagasaki saying that Hiroshima was a city that is angry. And if they had an image, it would be a hand and fist in the air. But Nagasaki, if it had an image, would be a city of sadness. But people who are confident that God is at work everywhere. And if it had an image, it would be hands clasped in peace. And they attribute the difference in the cultures of the two cities to Tagashi Nagai. And the ways in which he lived forgiveness and mercy and confidence that even in the midst of something of death, something of light and life can suddenly appear. It's appearing here. The salt is breaking people down. And I see you becoming more of who you are and God created you to be. I see lights flickering. Some, like the candles on the left, are really bright and tall. And others, you got to stand on your tiptoes and look in and see, oh, there's light in there. I asked Gonzalo if I could share a little brief story that he did on Monday. He's uh, a part of the group that meets for RCIA to receive all of the sacraments. And he said last Friday he was really in a difficult place 
didn't do anything, sort of beat himself up. You know how that goes. The head starts talking. Can't get the energy, the effort, the inertia to do anything. Probably went to bed. Tomorrow I'll be better. And tomorrow was even worse. Saturday, accomplished nothing. Late around, darkness settles in. Monday night, he says to me, stays after RCA, waits for everybody to leave. I asked him if I could share this. And he says, Sunday night, Sunday morning, though, I woke up and then I started doing things. And then I just did the next thing. And then I just did the next thing I should do. And then I went to bed and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the day was so different. And then I woke up on Monday and I just did the next thing. And then I went to class and then I did the next thing. And now I'm here at RCA. He said, Father, on Saturday night, after two days like that, I just said, Jesus, I need help. I think that's why Sunday and Monday were so different. And just like that, the Enlightenment proves itself a project that is of history for this man. Might we grow in our awareness that Jesus in our life makes us the light that helps us see. You see, I read this passage wrong. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, just so your light must shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. See, I thought the other person was to see my deeds and that would make them change. But what he's saying is we bring something to them that breaks them down and then helps them see what has always been there. Might we see that he is always here. He is always here. And he is always here. In you. Because you are at home. You have been called here by a father that does not need you to do anything. But he wants to love you and serve you and call you by name.